You're tuning into this week's episode of Keeping It Current with Shay Simmons and Evie Snowing. Today we will be discussing the teacher shortage crisis. Mrs. Jennifer Rinchen from the ISU College of Arts and Science is here as our guest speaker to provide insight on this topic. Mrs. Rinchen, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. All right. Recently, the U.S. has experienced what some officials are declaring a nationwide crisis. Teacher rates are on the decline, especially in the areas of mathematics, science, and special education. What do you think led to this shortage, and what has changed in the past years? Well, I think that there's probably a lot of factors contributing, but one of the first things that probably initiated this crisis is that uh, teacher wages have sort of stagnated compared to other professions with similar levels of education. And so that's resulted in the profession being one that some people do not consider going into because they see better financial opportunities in other areas. Um, I think also that the conditions in many schools due to shorting a shortage of funding um, has has made a teacher's job more difficult. So as class sizes get larger and fewer resources are available, um, it does make it more difficult to be an effective teacher um, the way many teachers want to be, right? To have the kinds of relationships and opportunities that teachers want to be able to offer with to their students. Um, and then as a result of those things, there's been a lot of publicity around teachers, um, their pensions being in crisis. There have been a lot of publicity about teachers who have to go to the government to advocate for their students' basic rights and needs in schools, for their own rights and needs as educators. Um, So that being in the public eye so much, I think has probably discouraged a lot of um, potential teacher candidates, people who might have considered being teachers, because they view it as um, a less stable option or an option that doesn't offer for as many opportunities or one where they're not going to be happy with their job because look at all of these things in the news that they're seeing about being teachers and how negative it is. So I'm guessing that those are some of the, the primary ones. There are other things like for a long time you had to pass a basic skills test to be a teacher. Um, and they raised the cut score for that so it became more difficult to get your license because you there, were, there was a higher... Um, sort of test score that you had to obtain, but we know that there are problems with standardized tests. We know that people um, who are often very qualified may not do well on standardized tests and that standardized tests have biases, um, racial and otherwise. Um, So definitely I think that that could have been a a factor that discouraged some people from being a teacher who may have wanted to, but just couldn't get the high enough score on those tests. And then how do you notice that the shortage affects schools specifically? I think that probably the thing I know I saw the most and I'm wondering if you also see is a higher student to teacher ratio. So instead of class sizes being 22 people in a class, 24 people in a class, um, there are districts that are capping classes at 34 students and regularly meeting that cap. Um, that's problematic for the quality of education that those students are then receiving because even an incredibly effective teacher in that classroom is just going to have like the pure numbers of it, less time to allocate to each student, um, an overwhelmingly um, larger amount of grading and assessing to do, um, and it just makes that that job so much more difficult, um, which the, the 
bad thing is that then that perpetuates the teacher shortage because if a student if a teacher's not feeling like they can be effective they may not stay in the profession um, and it also the real reason we're at schools and the real reason teachers want to be teachers is it like the students um, it impacts the students learning and that's just devastating um, so I think that's probably the biggest way I've noticed it, but understaffing is prevalent at all, um, in all areas of Illinois, and 89% of central Illinois school districts have reported um, having trouble with staffing this year, and I think it was 92% of southern Illinois schools. Um, so we can see that there are certain areas of Illinois that are like disproportionately affected. Um, the suburbs are having less of a difficult time. Um, those tend to be school districts that have higher wages. Um, and so we see like areas that maybe already are infected by unequal funding. Um, the way we fund our education system is through our taxes. So we have areas that because um, many people in the area are in poverty, they have smaller amounts of, there's a smaller pool of money to then allocate to the education in that area. Like, that's already a problem, but now those same schools are also seeing fewer teachers come and stay in their school districts, um, which again, just impacts the quality of education that those students are getting. It's, it's sort of compounding the inequality in those areas. Okay. And then in an article published by Forbes, it talked about how the term teacher shortage can be misleading and even harmful. The article says that the problem isn't a lack of people that can teach. The problem is a lack of incentive for people to want to go into teaching. The article continues to state that by referring to the issue as a teacher shortage, it becomes an excuse for states and districts to avoid taking action. What's your take on this idea? I 100% agree with the article. Um, I think they used um, sort of a, a metaphor like if, mm -hmm. if I can't afford a Porsche, it's not that there's a Porsche shortage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they're still out there and there are still people who want to be teachers out there. There are people who might consider going into that profession out there, but um, for some of the reasons we've talked about, just choose not to. So they never even make it into teacher education programs. And then that's not even to, to talk about the number of teachers that go into teaching, start, maybe teach a couple years, maybe one year, somewhere between you know one and five years is usually where the, the big drop-off happens. Um, it's like 8% of teachers annually leave the field. And that's a huge, that's a huge problem. Um, and that's not just retiring teachers. Um, those are people who are choosing to leave to pursue other uh, another field of work um, and so I guess I was reading an article the other day about this because we were talking about this in one of my, the classes I'm working with um, it's like 90% of the teacher shortage could be alleviated if we just get those 8% of people to stick oh, wow. around. Um, so if that's the attrition rate is huge. And, and so it's not that there, there aren't people who are qualified, it's just that we have to figure out why are they leaving in droves? Why are so many people leaving the field? And so then what is your take on what you think the future of teachers will look like? Yeah, well, what I hope it will look like or what I, the pessimistic view. Um, Let's what, hear both. both. Both? Okay. Well, okay, so the pessimistic view, we'll start with that first. I worry because so much of the conversation right now is about like online curriculums. So we could have one teacher and they could have all of these students online. Um, 
I worry that that's the kind of solution that's going to get furthered, or the idea that we could um, have automated teachers, like a system that can just check things if they're right or wrong and things like that, or um, massive lecture halls instead of what we know to be best practices, which is small classrooms, small groups of people working together. Um, so that's that's what I worry, just because so much of the conversation right now is around sort of what I think of as these Band-Aid fixes. Like you're not actually solving the problem. You're not getting rid of the cause of that problem. You're just sort of slapping a Band-Aid on it and hoping that that will fix it. And I, I really don't think that that's the way we should go. What I hope is that they that we will reassess how we approach teaching, how we pay teachers is part of it, um, but also how we view teachers. Um, when we talk about doctors, it's, it's a prestige profession. We think about the best and most qualified candidates going forward to becoming doctors. Um, if we can change how we as a society view teachers and make teaching a prestige profession, which does include paying them like prestigious professionals, um, having a competitive wage um, with people who have similar education, um, and then making sure that as professionals, we put a lot of the decisions in teachers' hands so that they can make the choices that we know are best for our students, right? And that includes things like hopefully smaller class sizes, um, which is one of, I know I keep coming back to that, but it's um, one of the things that teachers know to be best practice that just, in, then we turn around and um, have 34 students placed in our courses. We have no control over that. Um, so if some of these decisions could be shifted back to teachers uh, and we could trust our teachers to act in the best interest of our students and with the knowledge that they have from their their education and preparation, I think that would be huge. Um, so that's what I hope, um, but I, I suppose we'll see. All right, we'll see. Thanks so much, Mrs. Rinchen, for coming on to our podcast today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Current with Shay Simmons and Evie Snowing.